Good morning. My name is Tommy Allen, and you are have found yourself the live stream for New Hope Presbyterian Church, and this is Pentecost Sunday. I thought I would open up this morning with a call to worship. You know, what we do here online really isn't worship. It doesn't have all the elements of worship. Uh, but each week I try and include different things, confession of sin, profession. And so this week I thought because it's Pentecost, if you remember what happened at Pentecost, that's after Jesus had risen from the dead and he came to, to the disciples and there were tongues of fire in their head and uh, people heard the gospel in their own language and basically Jesus sent the church on mission to Judea, Samaria, and to the utter ends of the earth. And so this call to worship goes like this. Spirit of the living God, visit us again on this day of Pentecost. Come, Holy Spirit. With rushing wind that sweeps away all barriers, come, Holy Spirit. With tongues of fire that set our hearts aflame, come, Holy Spirit. With speech that unites the babble of our tongues, come, Holy Spirit. With love that overlaps the boundaries of race and nation, Come, Holy Spirit, with power from above that makes our weakness strong. Come, Holy Spirit. Let me pray for us. Father, this morning I pray that you would come and you would open the eyes of the blind and the ears of the deaf. I pray that you would give us wisdom. I pray that you give me wisdom as I speak, wisdom as I teach, uh, wisdom uh, even as I uh, open our time together right now. In Christ's name we pray, amen and amen. You know, this has been a uh, hard week. It's been a hard week for uh, me personally. It's been a hard week uh, for our country. And I feel like I need to say something this morning. Uh, and what I mean is I need to, before I even get into our Bible teaching, uh, I need to say something about events that have happened this week and the, the murder, or at least the alleged murder at this point of George Floyd. Um, If you're a white person, the George Floyd incident isn't about the facts. In other words, I made a statement and asked, was this, could, was this a murder? And I started getting messages from people saying it wasn't this and it wasn't that and it wasn't that. And all of them were white people. And at the end of the day, the George Floyd thing just represents something in the minds of brothers and sisters of ours who happened to be black. And so if you are a white person, I would ask you, or white Christian, specifically a white Christian who's a member of our church, um, I would ask you to have sympathy and I'd ask you to have actually some empathy. And I'd ask you, if you're a white Christian, when's the last time you had a conversation with a black Christian? And ask them what their experience was like in, a, in our country. Um, on one hand, you might find folks that are very conservative and they said it's all opportunity and it's all this and that. On the other hand, they will also probably tell you, but I have to tell my son to be careful when he goes to certain neighborhoods. Those are the kinds of things that people are talking about. And I'd encourage you, whoever you are, is to stop watching cable news for a while. You hear me say that all the time. The job of cable news, whether it's left wing or right wing, is to keep you agitated. And I would say, instead of watching cable news, reach out to friends of yours who look different than you, who speak different than you, who have different uh, churches. You know, one of the, the, the most life-giving relationships that I have is also a difficult relationship sometimes, 
is with uh, Leslie Braxton. He's the pastor of New Beginnings uh, Church, which is two blocks north of ours. And oftentimes when I have very difficult situations, I mean the most difficult situations, I will call him and say, can you meet with me? And he'll, he almost always drops everything to meet with me. And his church is probably three or four or five times bigger than mine. And we sit down and talk and I listen to him and he challenges me and, I, and he'll help me out. And one thing that I think we would both notice, I remember the last time I went, it was about two or three months ago, um, that both of our churches are full of sinners. That his church and our church, we have a lot of the same problems. And um, I think the more that, that we are related, the more we will see that and the more we will be able to stand with people. We must stand with uh, anyone, whether they're black or some other, if they're being uh, uh, harmed by the system or harmed by other people, we need to stand with them. And so, you know, and the, the last thing I'll say is um, I, I'm going to be praying for our church that our eyes are opened. You know, because of this coronavirus stuff, uh, everything ha has changed and ever nothing is actually going to go back to the way it was. I can promise you that. That's not just because I'm planning that. That's because it just, it, there's no way for things to go back to the way they were. And now that all this stuff is happening, this adds another layer to that. What does our church need to be in order to be a church that is for our community, that's for all the people in our community, not just the white people in our community? That's a question I will be asking, and I'd ask you to be thinking about that, praying about that as well. Now, for with all of that said, um, the text we're looking at this morning in the Sermon on the Mount, um, seems particularly appropriate to um, the events of this week. It's particularly appropriate to the, to the attitude in our country right now. Um, and so why don't I read the text and then we will jump right in. Today's text in the Sermon on the Mount is Matthew chapter 7, verses 1 through 6. So hear the word of God. Jesus says, Judge not that you be not judged. For with the judgment you pronounce, you will be judged, and with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Why do you see the speck that is in your brother's eye, but do not notice the log that is in your own eye? Or how can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye, <laughs> when there is a log in your own eye? You hypocrite, first take the log out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to take the speck out of your brother's eye. Do not give dogs what is holy. Do not throw your pearls before pigs, lest they trample them underfoot and turn to attack you. This is the word of the Lord. So let me ask you this question as we begin. Would you consider yourself to be a judgmental person? Think about that for a second. Are you judgmental? I'll be, I, I, for me, I'm say I'm not judgmental at all. As long as you agree with me and don't inconvenience me and don't get in my way and don't drive slow in the left lane and don't don't make my life difficult at all. If you don't do any of those things, you're good. I wouldn't judge you. See the problem there? Is a lot of times we don't realize how judgmental we actually are. I mean, honestly, if you would ask me, Tommy, are you a judgmental person? I thought. No, I'm not judgmental. I like everybody. And then I started thinking about it, and I'm like, actually, I am pretty judgmental. And remember as we enter into this, in chapter 6, Jesus has been talking about 
um, he, he did talk about self-righteousness as it pertains to our relationship with God, right? That are we doing things in order to, to, because we have God's approval or are we doing things in order to be seen by men? And as he enters into chapter seven, he's be talk, he talks about self-righteousness with regard to our relationship to other people. And it's interesting because if you remember the audience all the way back to chapter five, verses one and two, the, the very specific audience of the Sermon on the Mount is Jesus' disciples. It says he called his disciples to him and began to teach them. But we learn as the sermon goes on, we get these glimpses that there are other people in the, in the audience. And there always are. It's the same way in church, right? And everyone in church isn't Christians. There's some people checking it out and some people on the edges. And so on the edges of Jesus' teaching here are, we know, probably some Gentiles that were there. And we also know for sure that there were some religious people. And by religious people, I mean like the Sadducees and the Pharisees. And the, the Sadducees back in the day would have been um, very liberal um, and the Pharisees would have been very conservative. If you were gonna make a political analogy, it might be that they were Democrats and Republicans. And so they were all in the crowd. And that's important because I think in today's teaching and in this part of the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus is increasingly sort of addressing the people that are on the edges of the crowd who think they're sort of above it, who think that they're like, oh, I'm not judgmental. I'm just here watching this guy, Jesus, to make sure he doesn't do anything I disagree with, right? Jesus has something for them this morning. Um, as we read this text, this is one of those famous texts that, that most people know, or they say, even if they don't know where it comes from. Two errors you have to avoid when you're reading this text. The first error is what um, scholars would call totalization. What do we mean by totalization? Well, that's someone who reads this text and they stop after the first two words, right? And so I'm, let's say I'm doing some behavior that is reprehensible and you come and say, Tommy, you can't do that. I would say, judge not. Jesus, don't judge, can't judge, don't judge anything. So in, in other words, when we totalize this text, what we say is that nothing matters, that we can't judge anything, that all behavior is, is okay. That's not what Jesus is talking about by any stretch of the imagination. Um, in fact, by the end of the text, Jesus is, tells us to judge, to make some judgments about people. So he can't be saying that you can't judge anything and you can't make any assessments and you can't discern what, between what's right and wrong. So we don't do that. We'll talk about that more. The other error that we make is we often believe that this text applies only to religious conservatives. Right, we think, oh, those judgy religious conservatives, right? We watched uh, the original Footloose a couple weeks ago, and right, the whole thing is about, you know, the, the judgmental father, and, and it's all the religious conservatives are just looking at people and they're all judgmental. Well, the reality is, is no matter who you are, whether you're a Christian, whether you're non-Christian, whether you're gay, whether you're straight, whether you're black, whether you're white, you probably have a problem with being judgmental and being uh, condemnatory. And that leads to what Jesus means here. What, what Jesus says, don't judge. What, is he, what kind of judgment is he condemning here? And the kind of judgment, he's not saying you're not responsible for discerning between good and evil. We're definitely responsible for discerning between good and evil and making uh, good choices and bad choices and righteous choices versus unrighteous choices. Rather, the judgment Jesus is referring to here is our propensity to put ourselves in the place of God. 
In other words, it's one thing to look and say, to judge a behavior, like at least according to what I understand, it's right or it's wrong. It's another thing to say, you are condemned because of that behavior. That that, that is, we, we might discern, but it is only God's place to condemn somebody. In other words, so when you look at this word judgment in this in this text, it's actually a very uh, complicated word. It's, it's very has very many layers. On one hand, it just means to assess you know, one thing from another. On the other hand, it means um, basically to to convict or to condemn and that kind of thing. And I think that's what Jesus is talking about here. That it's not our place to play God in other people's lives. Maybe another way to put it is this, is the, the, there is a God and you're not it, right? So we're going to look at three things this morning. We're going to look at the importance of charity, the importance of clarity, and third, we're going to look at the importance of wisdom, right? Rap that don't rhyme. Um, so number one, the importance of charity. Notice what Jesus says, verse seven, I mean, chapter seven, verse one, he says, judge not that you be not judged. And they said, for with the judgment you pronounce, you will be judged, and with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. So what is Jesus talking about? What I just said, he's basically saying, judge not, don't condemn other people, so that you yourself are not condemned. Now, what, what does that typically look like in our lives? When, when we condemn somebody, typically, in my experience, we tend to write them off. Right? We tend to write them off as sort of um, being idiots or we tend to write them off as being not unsavable or something. And the, I think the reason we do that is because we moralize our differences. In, in other words, so imagine if you would um, that, that you have a friend, that, let, let's say you're, you're a Democrat and you have a friend who has voted for Donald Trump and you just can't believe that they would vote for Donald Trump and you begin, you get all ginned up and you say, what an idiot, only an idiot would vote for Donald Trump and you post it all over Facebook and you write them off and so now you no longer have that friend anymore because he made a decision in a free country to do something. And the, the same thing happens on the other side, right? Maybe you're super conservative and you have a friend who says, I'm voting for Hillary Clinton back in 2016. And you say, oh my gosh, I can't believe you would do that. And you, and you write them off and you no longer have that friend. Why is that? It's because we begin to moralize our differences that suddenly voting for Donald Trump or Hillary Clinton, it, suddenly it's not a free choice in the American political system, but you yourself, you have made it into a sin or I have made it into a sin. So if I think voting for Donald Trump is a sin and I think that I am God, my only choice is to condemn. When in fact, it's not a sin. It might not be wise. It might not be a number of things. But it's, if it, it's not a sin, who are you to judge it, right? Who are you to condemn over something? And yet we do that all the time. You know, one of the things that is amazing to me, and I, I didn't write this down, um, one of the benefits of not using notes is that you can be a little more freewheeling, and one of the downsides is you can get in trouble. Um, one of the things that's amazing to me is how many people I see posting things on Facebook and Instagram and Twitter that they have not even read. Some editor put a headline that was anti-Trump or anti-Obama or something, and people just post it and you read the story and it has nothing to do with the headline. And then people are replying to it, idiot, idiot, idiot. And when you do that, all you're doing is saying, 
I'm self-righteous. I'm self-righteous. I'm condemning people. I'm in the place of God. That is crazy. And let me give you some advice. Stop doing it. Just stop. The other thing you think, you think politics is an easy one. We do it in church all the time, right? Ask any pastor. Um, ask any pastor who's had to deal with the issue of music in church. Right? Some people, in, in, if your church is diverse, at least with regard to age, some people want organ music and a choir, and other people want drums, and they want contemporary music, and one thing leads to another, and before you know it, playing the drums is a sin, or playing the organ is a sin. Now, I'll be honest, the organ isn't my favorite instrument. In fact, it, the organ might be my least favorite instrument. Don't comment on that. But it's not a sin. And so I can't, oh, well, who would I, how can I condemn someone for that? And yet we do it all the time. We write people off. Now here, where Jesus goes next is why that's a bad idea. Why is it a bad idea to write people off? Why is it a bad idea to condemn people on the basis of our own judgments? Notice he says in verse two, for with the judgment you pronounce, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. So ask yourself this. Um, Jesus is saying here that you, you are going to be judged by your own standards. And now think of your own even low standard of morality. And do you are you consistent with it 100% of the time? Are you, you know, for example, do you get angry, if, like me, this is, a, this is a Tommy Allen issue, do you get angry when someone cuts you off in traffic? And yet when you cut someone off in traffic, you, 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 you're like, oh, I'm sorry, sorry. like, why are these people getting so mad at me? Right, with the same standard <laughs> with which you judge, you are going to be judged. Could you withstand that? Could you withstand, um, if you're harsh and you're critical and you're self-righteous, could you withstand being judged like that? Could you withstand that scrutiny? And if the answer is no, if you're honest, well then you need charity and it should lead you to being more charitable. Um, so here's the good news to all, to all that, um, especially if you're self-righteous and especially if you're feeling like a little bit like, like Tommy's pushing me a little bit here. Um, the good news is this, is that the only person with the right to condemn and the only person with the, the right to exercise judgment on your sins or mine sins has already exercised it, right? That's the, the whole gospel of Jesus says that you and I are under condemnation. I love it when people sometimes say, you know, Tommy, do you think God's judging America right now? And, and I always say, no. And they'll say, well, look at all the stuff that's going on. And I said, but, 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 but. in John chapter three, Jesus said that everything is already condemned. Everything is already under judgment. We, we are born into that state. And Jesus they said he came to save us from that. And the way that Jesus goes to the cross and bears our condemnation, Jesus goes to the cross and bears the judgment that you and I deserve. And because Jesus has borne our judgment, we now can be charitable toward other people. In fact, the apostle Paul, Romans eight, chapter one, he says what? He lays out the whole gospel and says, there is therefore now no what? There is therefore now no condemnation 
for those who are in Christ Jesus. So it, you and I, if you have trusted Jesus, are now have, uh, you, there's therefore now no condemnation for you. And if there's no condemnation for you, how does that, should that transform the way we act? I think the answer is absolutely yes. So if you're a Christian, there are two options that you really have with people when it comes to, to judging them and, and being disappointed with them or being even offended by them. So if you're, you're a Christian and you're struggling with the behavior of another Christian or you're struggling with the choices or decisions of, of another, another person, especially another Christian, um, basically the first thing you need to ask yourself or need to say to yourself, if Jesus doesn't condemn them, who am I to condemn them? If Jesus doesn't write them off, who am I to, to write them off? On the other hand, maybe you are thinking of someone who's not a Christian. Well, if someone's not a Christian, then you, you have the opportunity to say, oh, you know what, I'm dealing with this guy or this woman who's not a Christian, and their behavior really offends me, and what they say really offends me, and yet I remember when I needed grace and mercy, and I remember when I was offensive, and I remember when I was stupid, and I remember when I did silly things, and, and, and because of that, instead of, of condemning them, I need to actually show them grace, and I need to show them mercy. You see, there's a general rule, and this is, this is in the, this text, but um, you know, most people that we run into every day we have no idea what they've been through that day. We have no idea what they've been through in their whole life. And yet we interact with them and on the basis of a five second interaction, we not only completely uh, you know, think we know the whole file on their life, but we're able to write them off and judge them and send them to hell just on the basis of one interaction. And so I'd encourage you as you're going through the day, think about maybe this person that you're, you're maybe frustrated with, maybe they just lost a spouse. Maybe they've lost a child. Maybe they just got a cancer diagnosis. Maybe there are things going on in their life that you have no idea. We can be charitable because God has been charitable toward us. If you're a Christian of all people, we ought to be charitable. So the first thing this text needs from us, it teaches us is the, the importance of, of charity but also the importance of clarity. That's where we'll go next. Notice what Jesus says in verse three. He says, why do you see the speck that is in your brother's eye, but do not notice the log that is in your own eye? Or how can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your own eye when there is a log in your own eye? You hypocrite, first take the log out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to take the speck out of your brother's eye. Now, I brought a prop today a plank. Now, Jesus is a carpenter. Like he's telling, he's telling a woodworking joke here, right? And so he's basically saying, who are you? If you have a log in your own eye, how can you take the speck out of your brother's eye? It'd be like, hey, let me help you out there. Get that speck out. You would knock him in the head, right? It's crazy. That's the image Jesus wants us to have here. The, 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 if you had a log in your own eye, it would not only be impossible for you to help someone find a speck in their eye, but it would actually be comical. And whenever you and I try and do that, it sort of is comical. Um, basically, um, Jesus says, how, let me see the speck. He says, how can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your own eye when there's a log in your own eye? He says, you hypocrite, first take the log out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to take the speck out of your 
brother's eye. Now, how, how do we get the log out of our own eye? Basically, the, way, the, the only way that the log comes out of our own eye is if the Holy Spirit takes that log out of our eye and enables us then with clear eyes to see the cross of Jesus. And at the cross of Jesus, with log-free eyes, we are actually able to see the grace that we needed, and we're able to see the grace that we have received. And if we have seen the grace of Christ, and if we have received the grace of Christ, if the Holy Spirit has removed the log out of our eye, then, and only then, can we help our brother remove the speck from his eye. In other words, you notice Jesus doesn't say, don't judge at all. And he doesn't say, who are you to even help to, to point out a speck in your brother's eye when you have a log in your own eye. He, he's saying it's, a, it's okay to help your brother with the speck. But before you help your brother with the speck, you've got to deal with your own log. You've got to do a little self-examination. How often do you do any kind of self-examination? I mean, honestly, most people don't. Most of us go through our lives on autopilot. I mean, that's the problem, I think, in large part with race in the church, is people are frustrated. Most people are just going through church on autopilot. And we're not thinking about, oh, there are brothers and sisters out there who have a different experience than me. We go through autopilot on, on our judgments. We sit around maybe and you watch Fox News all day or you watch MSNBC all day. And instead of doing self-examination about my own sins and where I come on this, we just say, well, Tucker Carlson said this or Joy Behar said this or just that needs to end. Right, what, the, what Jesus is saying here, he is actually encouraging us toward self-examination. What is the log in your own eye that is actually keeping you from helping remove the speck in your brother's eye? In other words, only after you get the log out can you help your brother with the speck. And that's because I think Jesus expects us to be agents of reconciliation, not agents of condemnation. Right? You, you can only be an agent of reconciliation if you've got the log out of your own eye. And, and if, I, I can tell you right now, if someone has a speck in their eye, and this is just my own opinion, it seems like that it makes it a lot easier to see the log in your eye. And if you're coming at someone with a log in your eye to help them with their speck, I guarantee you they're not going to listen. But if you're coming at someone and they can tell you don't have the log, they're going to be much more apt to you helping them get the speck out of their eye. And I'll tell you this, the easiest way to help someone get the speck out of their eye is to take them to the doctor. And by the doctor, I mean Jesus. In other words, we point people to Jesus as the one who can heal us. We're not the ones. We're not the ones who can fix people. We're the, but we know the person who can fix people, and that's Jesus himself. And as important as all that is, remember, so I'm, you're gonna, some of you are going to think, he just did, undid everything he's getting ready to he said before. As important as all that stuff is, being an agent of reconciliation instead of an agent of condemnation. Remember the Apostle Paul said in Romans chapters 12, this is what I memorized. I don't know if it is, I don't think it's this way in the ESV. He said to the Roman Christians, he said, in as much as it's up to you, be at peace with all men. And the, the implication there is there are going to be some people with whom you're not going to have peace. But in as much as it's up to you, have peace with them, but they're not going to reciprocate. And I think that's where Jesus is going. He, he at the end of this text, the, the, the last verse of this text we're looking at is one of the most uh, 
complex, people argue about it all the time because it seems like it doesn't fit. I actually do think it fits quite well. Um, Notice verse six, so Jesus is said, talking about the speck and help your brother get the speck out of his eye. And then he seems to turn and say something completely different in verse six. He says, do not give to dogs what is holy and do not throw your pearls before pigs, lest they trample them underfoot and turn to attack you. So let's talk for a second about the importance of wisdom. What is wisdom, first of all? Wisdom is understanding a, a situation or a system and applying yourself appropriately. It's as simple as that. And so when you think about the, the Bible and the opposite of that is foolishness. So foolishness is when you either don't understand a system and don't apply yourself appropriately, or especially when you do understand how things work and buck that system. And so when we think about wisdom, it's about understanding a situation and applying ourselves appropriately. And in this case, what is Jesus teaching? And I'm gonna to bottom line it here. Um, I think what Jesus is saying in verse six is don't waste your time with haters. Simple as that. Don't waste your time with haters. He spends all this time saying, being an agent of reconciliation, judge not, lest you be not judged. And then he says, don't try and get the speck out of your brother's eye until you remove the log out of your own eye. And he says, on the other hand, at the end of the day, some people are not going to reciprocate your love, your charity, and all of that. Don't waste your time with them. And it's super interesting, the language that he uses, because Jesus follows up saying, judge not lest you be judged, by saying probably the most judgmental thing you could say about another human being in the New Testament. He says, don't give to dogs what is holy and don't throw your pearls before pigs. So the two most unclean, nasty things in the ancient Near East were dogs and pigs. And Jesus has just compared some people to dogs and some people to pigs. Who is he doing that to? Um, if you remember it, when Jesus sent his disciples out to preach what he told them, he says, go from town to town to preach and some will receive you and some will reject you. And he says, for those who reject you, do what? Keep going back and keep just keep being rejected and keep taking it on the chin. He didn't say that. He says, give them the gospel, what is holy, give them the gospel, your pearls, but when, if and when they reject you, he said, shake the dust off your feet and go to the next town. And so it's interesting, remember we talked about the people who are at the periphery here, is that the people on the periphery are the, the Sadducees and the Pharisees, the liberal religious people and the conservative religious people who condemned everybody. And I think what Jesus is doing here is in a backhanded way, he's saying that you Pharisees, Sadducees, the ones who are condemning everybody, you are the ones who are unclean. You are the ones who actually need the gospel more than any of these poor people sitting in front of me. So bottom line, when you come across judgmental people who are condemning, um, you're not gonna change their mind by rational thought. Trust me, I have tried. Um, you're not gonna change people's minds with facts most of the time. What changes people's minds, if and when it's gonna change their mind, is the gospel coming through you. It's going to be Jesus. And some people are going to reject that and you gotta learn to live with that. And you need to be okay with that. And by the way, I realize there's a fine line between writing people off and shaking the dust off your feet, between writing people off 
and not give, giving the haters any more of your time. That's why I think it requires wisdom. So with all that said, let me close with a quote from one of my favorite books. I don't know if it is my favorite book. Maybe it is. Um, the Book of Beb. The Book of Beb is about this charlatan preacher named Leo Beb. And the whole book, it's three novels in one. You will laugh and you'll cry and you'll wonder. You'll be like, oh, he doesn't, he's just, he doesn't believe any of this stuff. And then other times you think, wow, he really gets it. And so this quote I'm going to read you is from a, a, a the part of the novel called Love Feast, where he, he, he's gotten together all these like really super diverse people who would never be in the same room together. And, and he's sort of waxing philosophically to them about the gospel and about the fact that, that Jesus calls us together for this love feast. And this is the last thing he says. He says, we all got secrets. I got them same as everybody else, things we feel bad about and wish had never happened. Hurtful things, long ago things, we're all scared and lonesome, but most of the time we keep it hid. It's like every one of us has lost his way so bad we don't even know which way is home anymore, only we're ashamed to ask. You know what would happen if we'd own up, we're lost, and ask? Why, what would happen is we'd find out that home is each other. We'd find out that home is Jesus, that loves us lost or found or any which way. You know, we're in the hard times right now. And it sounds like a Sunday school answer, I know, sometimes to say, y'all need Jesus. But the fact is, y'all need Jesus. I need Jesus. Our country needs Jesus. The church needs Jesus. Think about that. Let me pray for us. Father, I pray that you would um, come on our nation even, and you would bring revival and reformation. I pray that you would bring reconciliation. I pray that the um, members of the black churches would feel like members of the white churches support them and love them and care for them and are willing to speak for them because we are doing that. And so I pray, Father, that you would uh, ignite uh, your spirit in, the, in predominantly white churches to stand up and that, that, that they would stand up and, and stand for our black brothers and sisters. Father, I pray also um, for those of us in the church that you would enable us more and more to be uh, less condemning and more charitable, more uh, about reconciliation than condemnation. And I pray that our neighborhoods and the world would be changed because of it. In Christ's name we pray all these things. Amen and amen. Typically at this point in big church, we would um, take an offertory and sing the doxology. And if you're interested in giving to the ministry of New Hope, you can find the information in the comments section below. After that, we would do a profession of faith and celebrate the Lord's Supper. We're not obviously doing the Lord's Supper, but I thought we would do profession of faith. And this is from the Heidelberg Catechism, question 56. And the question is, what do you believe concerning the forgiveness of sins? Answer. I believe that God, because of Christ's satisfaction, will no longer remember any of my sins or my sinful nature, which I need to struggle against all my life. Rather, by grace, God grants me the righteousness of Christ to free me forever from judgment. So I send you from this place saying the Lord bless you and keep you and make his face shine upon you. Go in peace. Amen and amen.